I invite you to take your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to preach a message called One Step Closer. Genesis chapter 12 comes right after Genesis chapter 11. It's 11 chapters in Genesis before we get here, and up to this point, God has been dealing with the earth in mass. He has been focusing on the family, uh, the, the creation of the world, the family of Adam, the flood of Noah, the Tower of Babel, these things that involve large groups of people. In fact, all of the people on the earth. And God demonstrates over and over again, repeatedly, that the whole earth is bent toward corruption, towards destruction. The word earth occurs in Genesis 1 to 11, 93 times, over and over again, God is speaking about what is taking place in the earth. And then, in chapter 12, we begin to see as God unfolds a brilliant plan to provide redemption for all humanity. And that plan begins with one man, the prototype of faith, Abram. God gives him, in Genesis chapter 12, a set of seven remarkable promises. And one of those promises is that God would make of that one man a mighty nation. That man, by the way, who is 75 years old when he receives these promises. And from that nation, there would come a Messiah. And from that Messiah would come a church. And that church would then take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world, affecting us at this very day. And Abraham is that prototype. He is a type of all people of faith. And the story of his life mirrors the biography of every man and woman of God. Romans 4.16 says that Abraham is the father of us all. Anyone who has placed faith in God is connected with Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, that's us by the way, the heathen, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Abraham, the prototype of faith. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12 and read verses 1 to 4. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Lot and Abraham was seventy and five years old. Sarai, his wife, was sixty-five. 
when he departed out of Haran. We have here again the sevenfold promise that God makes to him. And we see that God is continuing to fulfill that promise and these promises in 2024. I got an update this morning from the IDF. They're continuing to fight against the terrorist organization Hamas. They continue to fight for their right to exist. And we see that those that have blessed Israel have been blessed. It's amazing that our country was the one sending the nuclear bomb, not the one receiving it. The only major atomic weapon that has been used in the earth was created in America and, by the way, through Jewish scientists. And it was used to bring an end to World War II. And there are many, many examples of how God has blessed America. And if you're wondering about the politics of Hope Baptist Church, we'll say this. We believe that God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. They are the most stubborn people in the, in the world, the Jews. And yet God loves them. And God has said he is going to preserve them as a nation. And we stand with Israel. We do not stand with the sin. We do not stand with their rejection of Jesus Christ. But they're going to come through a great tribulation after which the nation as a whole, as one man, will turn to their Messiah. The scripture plainly tells us that. And we support them and we love them. And the truth of the matter is, even some who perhaps were not supposed to be in the family have still been given many blessings because of Abraham. Well, I want you to look at Abraham, and the, uh, the, the theme that we have for the year is one step closer. We see here, Abram makes one major step that will affect the lives of every man and woman on the earth. He makes this step here, and I want you to see, first of all, the root of his faith. The root of his faith was his willing belief in what God said. His willing belief. You see, the Lord said, get thee out of thy country. The first thing you need to know about faith is that faith comes from the will. Now, sometimes we think of the will as being in opposition to faith, but truly, it comes from the will. It is a decision, a decision, a choice that says, I will trust If you think that every day you're going to wake up and feel amazing and God is going to help you uh, through your feelings, you will not be able to follow God for very long. Your feelings do not make God's call or God's word right or wrong. Your feelings have nothing to do with it. This was not Abram's idea. This was God's idea. Get thee out. And what did Abraham have? Abram, and I'll go back and forth with his name. We know that his name became Abraham, and the difference in names is is not subtle. But for sake of time, notice here that his faith was exercised through his will. He took a step, and it was a step that he took because he wanted to. Now, there is a time for duty. It's a time to do what you know you ought to do. May I remind you, God did not force Abraham 
to do this. God did not pick Abraham up as we might pick up a gerbil and move it over here. God said, do it. And Abram exercised his will and believed. He believed. There's one thing that our culture cannot tolerate. It is someone who believes the word of God. We don't want someone who, we want someone who says, well, God is one option among many. May I remind you that Abram already had many options in his pagan culture. He had many gods he could worship. But this God, the one true God, said, get thee out. And so out he goes. It came from the will, but his faith was based on the word. The word. Notice it says, the Lord had said unto Abram. And then you see in verse number four, as the Lord had spoken unto him. You and I do not walk with God based on promises that we make to him. We walk with God based on promises that he made to us. When you try to imitate the power and strength and faithfulness of God, you will find out that, number one, you fail. Number two, you get disillusioned. Number three, you walk away. Because you and I are not God. We do not have the power to live a life that is pleasing to God. And yet so many times as believers, we think, I've got to do better. I've got to have more uh, discipline. I've got to stop doing this. I've got to start doing that. And our duty will drive us, before we know it, we've driven ahead of God. What Abram did in this story, what what lays the foundation for the faith uh, story of every man and woman, is that Abram received from God what God said, and Abram willingly and lovingly put his faith in the words of God. Religion will tell you that you need to start doing this and that. And you may even feel close to God based on what religion tells you. But may I remind you, unless we have a foundational authority... We're not trusting in God. We're trusting on our own understanding of God. We're not trusting in what he said. If we involve ourselves in religious rituals, we're not, and, and, we, and we have to have certain music playing in our hearts and in our, in our ears so that we can feel a certain way. Listen, you can come up with all kinds of ideas about God, but he said, don't make any other gods before me. Don't create your own God. You don't need to create a God. You need to read about a God. Here it is. Abram's faith had to be placed in the word that God had spoken. It was God who gave his covenant to Abraham. And he responded with faith and obedience. And by the way, how you respond to God's promises will determine what God will do in your life. God didn't give Abraham or Abram reasons or explanations. He gave him promises. And that's where faith begins. Not finally clicking, ah, now I get it. 
God finally explained what's going on, and now, because I understand, I can trust him. If you have gotten to that point in your life, if you've ever had a place where you think, I get it, now I can trust God, God won't leave you there. He will bring you to another place where you cannot understand and you cannot explain, and it does not make sense, and it's not fair, and yet God says, this is the word, and you must put your trust in that. For instance, there may be some this morning that don't know for sure you're going to heaven, and here's why. You don't believe God. You believe that somehow what he did by his death and burial and resurrection is something very, very, very important, but you need to add to that with your good works. I had someone tell me recently, they cannot believe in some some type of salvation where you trust in Jesus Christ and then you no longer have to do good works. Well, I responded, I certainly believe God wants you to do good works. Certainly God wants you to honor him and to follow him and to obey him. But may I ask you, if you stay saved by doing good works, what's the difference from being, from being saved by good works? There's no difference. You see, salvation is not something that you do for God. Salvation is something God does for you. And how do you receive this great gift of eternal life? And by the way, isn't it interesting? People talk about eternal life. And don't believe that it's eternal. You know how you get this great gift, which, by the way, you could never earn? You get it by believing. It takes a lot of faith to believe that a God you've never seen sent a son whom you've never seen. And that son died on the cross that you never saw and paid for sins that, as far as you know, he may never have seen. And he paid for those sins and went into the ground and he he rose out of the dead, uh, out of the grave, from the dead, uh, and appeared to a bunch of people that you've never seen. That's what our salvation is based on. And how do we know what he is asking us to trust in? He wrote it down. Our faith is built on nothing less than the written word of God. That's the difference between religion and relationship. People say, well, salvation is a relationship, and truly it is. But sometimes people almost make it sound, it's not just a ritual, it is a feeling that I have about God. Well, you can certainly have feelings about God, but where do you get your understanding of God? It must derive from the words of the book that he wrote. If it doesn't come from Scripture, how do you know whether you are right or wrong? There are many people out there that pretend to have a feeling about God. The Church of Mormon is classic for this. I watched an interview with some Mormons recently. The question was, is it possible for someone to know for sure they're going to heaven? And they said, oh yes, you can know. Our God is a loving God and he certainly would want you to know. Well, how can you know? Well, you must pray to him. And he will tell you what you must do. And if you do that, and continue to do that, you can know that you're going to heaven. Well, what specifically should I pray? Crickets. Can I tell you why? Mormonism, much like Catholicism, 
Much like many other religions say this. It's all about what you are trying to do for God. And some of you this, this, this week, you're thinking, you know what? 2024 is going to be a brand new year. I'm not going to be a slob. I'm not going to be an idiot. I'm not going to be a pawn. I'm going to stand up on my two my hind legs and I am going to walk out into the world and I'm going to do something different. And by the way, as human to human, I applaud that. I think it's good. I'd rather have you living next to me than someone who doesn't care. But at the end of, the, at the end of this world, at the end of this life, when we leave this sod, it's going to take more than that. In order for you to know that you're going to a place that is a real place that you've never been to, light years away, you better have some inside information. You better have some travel instructions from someone who has been there. And we have it. You know, I like what someone said. The Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Well, I know it's a, it's a whole lot more than basic instructions. But if you don't get instructions on how to leave this earth, the Bible tells us there's another place that you're going to go. It's called hell. You don't have to go there. God doesn't want you to go there. But if you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to put your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you. And that's what Abram does here. He puts his faith in the words of God. Now notice the requirement of his faith. The Bible says, get thee out. God said to Abram, get thee out. Get out. He had to leave. God always leads his people out before he brings them in. And by the way, faith that will not move from its present position is not faith. If you've said, I am here and I'm not moving, I don't care, I've tried all that. If you're a cynical Christian, you're not a faith-filled Christian. Because a cynic says, I tried that and it didn't work. Or I remember when I did that and it worked for a while. I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. And Christian, I know you have. If you've been saved for five minutes, you've been through something. If you've been saved for five years, you've seen some ups and downs. If you've been saved for 50 years, you've seen the turning of the earth's culture. But believer, God is in the business of faith. And faith is always taking Another step. He said, get thee out. God could not bless and use Abram and Sarai until they were in the right place. And in order to get to the right place, they had to leave this place. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 24 that Abram was an idolater. He was an idol worshiper when God called him out. I'm happy to tell you that God's not looking for choir boys. He's looking for boys and girls and men and women who will put faith in him where they are and follow him where he leads them. You don't have to be a squeaky clean person in order to follow God. You have to be willing to leave where you are and go. And Abram was willing to leave a culture that worshipped multiple idols. Let me ask you, if one God is good, why not multiple gods? What's interesting is that Abram, the father of Israel, had that in his heart. 
And it took all the way through till the Babylonian Assyrian captivity to get that out of Israel's heart. When they came back, they no longer worshipped and served other gods. They said there's only one God. But you see, it took a long time to get that out of Abram's heart and out of the heart of those of his followers, of his descendants. But God is calling them out. Christian, God is calling you away from corruption. He always is leading us out. Take your Bibles, if you would, at sec, uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. 2nd Corinthians chapter 6. You see, there's a basic biblical concept of following God, of one step closer, and that is the idea of separation from the profane, from the unholy, from the common, into that which is set apart, holy and divine. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, be, not, be, ye, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Why are you following them on TikTok? Why are you watching them on Netflix? Why are you hanging out with those people? Why do you listen to that music, Christian? It'd be much easier if we kept it theoretical, I know. This is, this is what he's talking about. The world is on our phones. Believers, we interact more with our phones than people did with, with people in the 80s. We, we, this is the, we have the world at our fingertips, and what is he telling us? He's saying, stop following them, stop listening to that, come away from that junk. Come away. That's what he means by leaving. Leave them. He says, what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? How can you fellowship? Let me ask you this. Would Jesus Christ listen, follow, and watch the people with whom you fellowship? If not, you're not following Christ. You're following the world. This is where the rubber meets the road for the believer because what we want to do is find some way in which we can know we're going to heaven, but right now, I'm good. The Lord's calling us out. He's calling us out of that heathen paganistic culture. He's saying, you're going to have to say goodbye. Look at verse number 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is not just go to the temple. This is you are the temple, and God is not somewhere out there. God is in you. He says in verse number 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You know, there's a reason why God was telling Abram to come out, because he was in. There's a reason why God said, touch not, because he was touching. You see, God is not waiting for you to, to clean up your life so that you can be a good Christian. To, to, to get rid of all this junk so you can really get serious. I'm going to help you. 
I'm going to help you this morning if you listen. Hey, listen, all of us rebels and miscreants, all of us uh, 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 people who push back against the rules, all of us people who fall, he's talking to us. To follow Christ is to leave those things. No, you don't begin following Christ when you begin following Christ. You don't follow the Lord when you finally get your life cleaned up. To say goodbye to the junk is to follow Christ. To say goodbye to those things that God would not want, that Christ would not fellowship with, is to follow the Lord. See, there's hope. There's hope even for us. God's not waiting for you to be a preacher boy so you can be right with God. He said, if you'll come out from among them and be separate, you're my son, you're my daughter, that's the one. What a privilege to know a God who comes to us in our uncleanness, in our filthiness, and calls us. Listen, you think God's afraid of your sin? He detests it. But he stands in front of us and says, come out. Come out. You know, sometimes we think about the physical, and we're told this all the time. You need to lose weight. You need to change your diet. You need to, you need to have better mental health. And you need to do yoga and meditate and take care of all these things from the outside. But let me ask you this. From a spiritual standpoint, how are you ready? How are you fixed for 2024? Are you thinking about faith? You see, one step closer means coming out from among them. He says in verse number 18, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Verse 1 of chapter 7, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. What promises? Promises that he would receive us and be a father unto us. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Has it ever occurred to you that your attitude is based on what you're listening to? The reason you feel the way you feel is because of what you're taking in. The conversations, the relationships that you have, the books that you read, the places you go, the thoughts that you have, this is what produces filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Our attitudes are corrupted. Our outlook is corrupted. You ever, you ever wake up uh, and, and, and get out of the wrong, wrong side of the bed and they say, man, you must have got on the wrong side of the bed. I get up on any side of the bed I want to get up on. I, it doesn't matter what side. It's all the wrong side of the bed. Why do we have to have sides? You know, this attitude, the spirit, wherever we go, it's a dark cloud. Well, something good happened. Ah, but something bad's about to happen. I got a raise. Yeah, but I'm going to get taxed more. I got into a relationship. Well, it'll probably fall apart like all of my relationships. I got a Christmas gift. Oh, it'll break. I don't even have a gift receipt. We find all kinds of ways to bring it down. That filthiness of the flesh. You find yourself feeling that God is far away. Well, the Lord said he's not going to have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So in order for us to follow him, that next step is going to have to be leaving the corruption. Get thee out. But I want you to see as well in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. He had to leave the familiar. Leave the familiar for the unknown. 
You know, Abraham and Sarah were preparing for retirement when, when, when this chapter happened to them. And what did this old couple do? They packed up the tent and they headed out to only God knew where. Now, we think about international travel today as something cool, and certainly it is, but historically, not crossing oceans, crossing rivers was tumultuous. Rivers like the Euphrates, the Tigris, it was a daring and a risky proposition. In fact, they referred to the lands over the river as over the flood. They weren't just thinking about taking a vacation. They were saying, boy, that was on the other side of the world. That was a major undertaking, monumental, second only to death. Now, God has not necessarily called people, every person, to leave their homes and families physically. We actually face a more difficult task than that. He's called us to live among people without being one of them. He's called us to be in the world, but not of the world. To leave the familiar. You know what's easier? It's easier just to be a monk and to go and live in your monastery. To hide away, to hunker down and shut yourself away. It's harder to live godly among the ungodly. But Jesus was the perfect example of this. Jesus was not known by the different kinds of clothes that he wore. Jesus was not known by a special haircut that he had. He lived, he ate, he talked, he dressed like others around him. And yet he remained holy and harmless and undefiled. You see, God is calling us to leave the familiar, not just the wicked and the corrupted and, the, and, and, and that which would destroy us, but that which we are used to, that which we like, the people that we enjoy having around us, having our home set up the way we like it, and our job exactly, we know what to expect. Our, our family's year has been tumultuous, but I'm sure for many of you, you can feel it in the air. The tectonic plates of culture shifting. What's coming next? We had the great reset. In the back of our minds, we think, what's coming next? We don't like it. I don't like it. I want to be able to know what's going on and who's going to be where and when. But the Lord doesn't always allow us to have those things. He did tell us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Why number them? Because they are finite. It is a set number of days that you and I will live. No one wants to die. No one wants someone that they love to die. And yet in the back of our minds, we know that it is so. We know that it will happen. We live with that tension of knowing that it's going to happen, and yet it shouldn't happen. May I suggest to you, believers, somewhere in the middle is where God wants you and I to live. The live on the edge of what does God want in my life. Well, I just don't want to think about it. I, 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 and many of us lose ourselves in what they call escapism. Escaping from anything unsettling. Man, listen, if I've got a pebble in my shoe, my first thought is not, well, maybe it's something God sent to help me. 
My first thought is, how in the world did a pebble get in my shoe? These are the cheapest soles I can even... I, this is a piece of junk shoe. How did that get there? And then when you get... You ever get something out of your sock and you think, okay, I finally got it out. And you put your sock back on, your shoe back on, and you start walking, and it's still there. That's life. Finally get those socks, right? Finally find socks. And you get them on, and there's something that bothers you. See, we're, we're, we're constantly trying to get to a place of serenity, focus, peace, relaxation. We can chill, and the Lord's constantly calling us out of the familiar. Place of faith. Place of faith. The Bible says that the Lord was specific about where, that where Abraham was to leave, but he wasn't very specific about where he was to go. You ever find that in your life? By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Many times you've heard this story given. Hey, Sarai, let's load, let's load everything up and let's go on a trip. Okay, where do you want to go? Well, I think, uh, let's, what all do we need to take? Well, let's take, I know what, let's take everything. Let's take everything. Well, how far are we going to go? Um, you know what I think? I'll go check the garage and get everything. And he kept avoiding the question. Because Sarah needs to know, I just need to know where is all I'm asking. You know, isn't that like us? We say, Lord, I'll do it if you just tell me what it is. I'll do it. Which, by the way, God knows that we wouldn't necessarily do it if he told us where. Doesn't he know us better than that? But see, we want to negotiate with God. You want to say, God, I'll do this if you do that. And the Lord said, no, get up and go. You see, faith is not knowing, but trusting. Not knowing, but trusting. And here he goes, and he leaves this unknown, and he's going off on these marching orders without a map. Someone said, like Alexander the Great, he marched, marched beyond the map. No one had even mapped out where he was going. Leaving for the unknown. The requirement of his faith, and then see next the relapse of his faith. In Genesis chapter 12, you see, when verse number 10, the Bible talks about how Abram encounters a famine in the land. He goes down into Egypt to sojourn, not to stay or to live, but just to stay a while because the famine was so bad. You know, the problem was God didn't call him to Egypt. God said, get thee out into the land of Canaan. And what happens? Well, Abram wastes a lot of time in Egypt. The time that he was in Egypt was not counted when it came to the judgment. It was lost. Think about this. This past year, how much time have you lost? And if you go back 10 years, how much time is wasted? God told Abram what he wanted to do, but he wasted time. Not only that, he lost his testimony with the Egyptians. You find here that this pagan king actually rebukes and scolds Abram. Wow, what a rebuke. To hear from someone who doesn't even know the true God and say, you shouldn't have been doing this. You know why he did that? Because he wasn't in the right place. You see... God told him where to go, and Abram had the faith to go there, but he didn't have the faith to stay there. It was too difficult. 
Let me remind you, when God calls you to do something or God calls you to change and to make it, what he's calling you to is a place of difficulties. It's not going to be a place of great peace all the time. It's going to be a challenge. You thought when you got married to the right one, that meant it was always going to be fun. See, what happens now, we start doubting whether we married the right one or whether we should have married at all. No. Battles are not an indication of being in the wrong place. Battles are an indication that the devil's not happy with where God brought you. And battles are an indication that God wants to strengthen you through this new adventure. To change you, to challenge you, to grow you. Well, I don't want to change. I don't want to be challenged or grow. You can't have any faith then. You see, faith moves people. Faith moves Christians. Where? To where God wants them. He lost his testimony. You know what else he did? He gave his nephew Lot a taste of Egypt that Lot never forgot. Lot was with him and Lot was watching him. You may think this year, you know what? I'm going to take a year off. I'm taking a gap year from Christianity. I'm just going to chill. I've tried and it's tough. And this year, I'm going to relax. Okay, listen. If you're saved, you'll still be saved if God doesn't take you out of this world. You'll still be saved at the end of this year. But there are some things that could very well hamper and hurt other people in your life. Here's a guy named Lot that's following his uncle and saying, Uncle, you're a great guy. Man, you're, it's really cool how you interact with your wife and with the servants. And you're really rich. And Lot's watching him and he goes down. You know, when they came back, back out, they came out with a lot of cattle. You know where they got the cattle? They got it down in Egypt. You know what you find is that God had shepherds, not men of cattle. And what happens with the cattle is that the the cows are are, are purchased down in in Egypt. But you know what? They they eat differently than the the sheep do. The the cattle, they, they will graze. They'll just, they'll eat it all. The sheep, they'll browse. Some, someone told me that sheep have uh, two set of teeth. And they take a long time. They take longer and they eat in a different manner. They don't necessarily destroy everything. But cattle, much bigger animals, they'll just raise it all to the ground. Well, Abram comes out with these cattle. You know what happened as a result of going down to Egypt? They got a taste of being a little bit rich. They got a little more wealth down there. You see... It's not just God that blesses his children. The devil also blesses his children. And these folks go down there away from God. And what happens? They get some overtime and they get some extra, uh, uh, they get a different job that kind of keeps them away from God. They're not in the right place, but they're making money. And look at how God's blessing. You know, it was the cattle that caused the range war between Abram and Lot. You remember that? There's too many cattle. For that land. They needed to separate. You know what Lot said when they started to fight? Lot says, I'm going to get out of here. And Abram said, go ahead and choose where you want to go. And Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw all the well-watered plains of Jordan. And guess what he said it reminded him of? Like the land of Egypt. I remember some of the cool stuff that I had when I wasn't so hardcore about God. I actually had some time and we had some toys. We had some treasure. You know what happened? There was an an impact in the life of Lot. 
You ever go and read through the scripture and see how the children of Ammon fought against the nation of Israel? You know where they came from? Came from Lot. Lot fathered the children of Ammon through his own daughter when he was drunk. These are the kinds of habits that Lot picked up. You know something else Abram brought back from Egypt? was Hagar. She was a little princess type girl, a little slave girl, a little, just, just, just for fun, picked her up. And what happened? A major impact in the nation of Israel. To this day, the descendants of Ishmael are fighting tooth and nail against the children of Israel. So Abraham got what he wanted, but he ended up causing great heartache. Why? Through a relapse of faith. I'm happy to tell you, though, this morning, that there was a restoration of his faith. A restoration. I told you at the beginning that the life of Abraham mirrors the life of every man and woman of faith. Can you see this in your own life? The restoration of faith that you find in Genesis 13, we won't turn there, but he repents of his sins. He went up out of Egypt. We find later on in the passage that he returns to the altar that he made in Genesis chapter 13. You see, God leads his people not because of how well they behave, but because of who he is. God is leading and he wants to lead you today. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. The Apostle Paul said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. You see, we're all failures. One step closer doesn't mean a little more awesome than I used to be. That's not what it means. It means from where I am, being one step closer to the goal. Whether I am in Ur of the Chaldees, or whether I'm in Egypt, or whether I'm in the promised land, I am going to take one step toward my God. And that is what he did. In the New Testament, we find God doesn't remember Abraham's failures. He remembers his faith. The Bible says in Romans 4.20, speaking of Abram, he staggered not at the promise of God. Well, that's all he did was stagger through chapter 12 and 13 and so many other places. That guy was walking around blind. But God looked back. Why? God looked back and said, he staggered not. Why? Because when he was falling down, he looked up and said, God, help me. God, forgive me. God, I want you. I want to follow you. I've gotten far astray. I've wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. Christian, you don't have to think, man, one of these days, when I start reading my Bible again, when I start getting right, you ought to fall on your face before God today and say, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I want you in my life. I want to follow you. And what you'll find is God looks back He doesn't see your failures. He sees your faith. Faith focuses on the next step. The next step. Not what God will do in 10 years. When am I going to die? No. The next step. 
What does God want for you today? Will you take one step closer? Bow your heads if you would in prayer with me this morning.